And we are back. Thank you for joining us for another day at the Dots. And joined as always by the Brain Trust himself, Mr. Chase Taylor. Uh, <clears throat> once again, I, th- this kind of quiet run that we've been on a little bit seems, I mean, there's plenty of crazy stuff going on, right? But uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's cognitive dissonance or whatever. I, I feel like if nothing... If something does not double its market cap in a day, I'm like, boy, that's a this is this very serene market. It's very level headed. Uh, we'll run us through pretty much. We're, we're all did all the negative. I think all the indexes finished in the red on the day, didn't they? Yeah, S and P down point one seven. Uh, Q's down about half percent. Small caps down point eight. Mag seven was down point six. Uh, regional banks down a little over one percent. Uh, the dollar was up a tiny bit. Yields actually fell a good bit, um, almost five basis points on the front end and about two, three um, out on the long end. Oil down 0.6%. So a little bit of a risk off day out there. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Any news that came out? Again, I've been on recordings and things like that. Unusually busy this morning, so I haven't really done my full tilt scan, but I know you're on top of it. What did we get? Any interesting news or anything that moved markets at all today? Uh, nothing, nothing I thought was particularly significant, even, even on the data side. Um, not that interesting of a day tomorrow will be a little bit more interesting for, for data, but honestly, no, it it was pretty quiet on a, on a news from a news angle and from a, uh, data side. So it always makes it interesting when you see like, you know, rates kind of falling a decent amount, say out, out on the 10 year, um, at, you know, on a day where just about nothing happened. Do, do you what do you make of it on a technical level like when you look at the way this market i mean the s&p has moved higher so in that way it's sort of fit what we've thought but you know you look at the nasdaq the q's have broken out the nasdaq still can't quite bust through to that new all-time high um and yet i'm reminded of so many other times in this cycle when i feel like this dynamic has played out where the market's trying to get up there and just can't bust through I've thought to myself so many times, okay, this has got to be when it's going to turn around, right? This has got to be when it's going to get hit. Um, and yet my, and we could go back and look at it. My recollection could be completely wrong, but it feels like for the vast majority of this run over the last 10 to 12 years or whatever, well, obviously this is the case because look where the market went, but, but every single time we pushed, you're thinking, okay, we're going to stall out. It usually is just the setup for the next leg higher. Um, this feels a little bit different to me, but you know, I guess I, I could have said that before. What, what are you making of of this on a technical level? And the fact that you kind of it kind of feels like you've kind of hit a little bit of a wall here on the indexes, and they're just not pushing through. Yeah, even so, you're kind of flagging lower. No, I would like no damage has been done. Like you haven't gone below any any levels that look important. So so far, it just looks really orderly. But the the one thing I do find a little interesting is. Mag seven, uh, no, it's not been it's not been down each day, but it, the the daily close has been below the open the last four days in a row, which for for Mag seven, you know, pr- pretty rare that doesn't happen often. The last time it it did happen was uh, in January. So, and before that, you probably have to go back pretty far. Just looking at it, yeah, you have to go back to. It's, so. it's also a dynamic that we've seen before, though, and it and it's a dynamic that's pretty consistent with a retail-driven market as well, right? Retail trades in the first half hour or first hour of the day, institutions trade in the last. 
you know, by and large, vast majority of mutual fund flows will by definition come at the end of the day. But, you know, it's just the way institutional traders are, right? I mean, we're all taught to not, right, not freak out over the moves of the market in the first 30 minutes where retail is trading it hard. Do you think that's just kind of the retail influence on things that you're seeing this, you know, you're seeing this early, you know, the morning rally or whatever getting sold throughout the day or, or what do you make of that? I honestly distribution or yeah, I honestly make nothing of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, of note, NASDAQ down like 0.26 in after hours. So something has ruffled some feathers after hours, magnificent seven down 0.32. Um, one thing I can't remember if we talked about it much, but it's been very much on my radar is Apple because the Apple has the 181 like level is just super important on the, on the Apple chart and it has been dancing on it the last three days in a row and five of the last seven days. So that, that continues to be kind of front and center for me. Same, same with Google, Google, I would argue kind of already below a big, a big level, um, right about 138, call it 139 from 140 was kind of a big deal for Google. And we're below that. So you have two mag seven names threatening kind of new ugly breakdowns. Obviously, I mean, Tesla has been the only one that's done well lately, but it's b- below key support. Well, it's a value-driven market chase, so that makes sense. So you you're starting to see some, you know, uh, a broadening out of pain in the Mag Seven, as we've seen a broadening out of some other sectors gaining some steam, like and this did healthcare, man, biotech, industrials. And look, I know nobody wants to hear it, but this is the exact scenario that we were talking about going into this year. We're like, look, the temptation now is going to be to jump in all the stuff that did so well next year. This is where you need to stay patient because one of two, hey, have you ever seen alligator jaws that didn't close, Chase? Yeah, it depends. <laughs> well, eventually, right? They all. What I'm saying is when you see these big divergences, and look, there are always exceptions in this, in this game, especially in the investment game. But when you see these big divergences, you're going to have a pretty good track record if all you do is play divergences and a return to the mean. Right. Usually now you can, you know, of course you can stay market can stay in salt or illogical longer. You can stay solvent, all that kind of stuff. But if you really think the market's going to continue to go up after a year, like last year, and also let's put last year into context, what a historical anomaly it was, right? You see that setup, and it's usually a safe bet to think to yourself, okay, look, one of two things has to happen. They need to come back to the pack or the pack needs to catch up. Yeah. And, and, to to the market's credit, you know we, we're seeing the pack do do a lot of work here. Um, yeah, so far yeah. this year it's been a a healthy broadening out. Um, now who knows if it stays that way? Who knows if you know if if Max Seven actually fell out of bed? Can the rest of the market just sh- shake that off? You know, it reminds me of you know what it reminds me of, man. It reminds me of the bump coming out of COVID. Okay, right when the market started recovering, coming out of COVID, you know we had a bunch of value names, picked up energy names coming out of it, all that kind of stuff. And they were going up, but nowhere near as fast as the tech stuff and all the other kind of stuff was happening, right? And we were, I, I felt like my, we were getting left in the dust and I, I was just super frustrated. And then all of a sudden, the tech stuff kind of chilled out toward the back end of, of 2020. And our, I think our value portfolio was up like 44% in like 60 days or something like that. It just went through the roof. Yep. And <clears throat> then we kept kicking tail really good into the first quarter of, of 2021 or excuse me. Yeah. 2021. And then we stopped on a dime Uh and then tech rallied. It's just, I keep trying to explain it to our clients. I'm like, look, for whatever reason, it's just happening this way. Right. You get a move in tech 
and then the rest of the market can follow at some point, but they're not going to work together, right? Is that just probably just a function of flows, passive investing, retail involvement, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's an underrated point and one I've just come to grips with, honestly, in the last like month is for the top of the index to, to really gain steam without a bunch of new money. It literally has to take from the rest of the index. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it's something people don't really grasp well enough. I know I I don't think I did. Um, but it shows you like we we've been, you know, performing a lot better here in the last few days, couple weeks, whatever. And it and it one hundred percent coincides with the fact that the rest of the market's picking up while while Mag Seven is, is slowing down. So yeah. like we're we're feeling it big time. Um of note today, the equal weight S P finished up a tiny bit so wow. all the index out here indexes you know had reasonably not great days and then equal weight up now is 0.04 or something but yeah yeah and that's a rare boy I haven't seen that in a long time right i mean that's a pretty rare occurrence and it, and it goes back to what we've been talking about which is you get into environments like this and there's really no other way to put it price is a liar and if all you're looking at is price you're going to make some bad decisions you know what i mean like it just Price is a liar, it, and it, and and it's that's not always the case. Usually, mark you know what? Truthfully, usually market pricing on any securities is pretty, it's pretty remarkably good. Usually, right? But you get into situations like this where people are not buying things for fundamental reasons, and they feed on themselves. They get out of control. It's just the way it works. And when you get into these environments, and I'm going to keep saying it, so our clients hear it. I'm going to keep saying it, so other people manage. If you want to come out of this the best, you must accept that you will not have the most fun of, you know, throughout the duration of this forever, whatever, however long this lasts, right? Like if you want to end up the best coming out of it, there will be periods of times in it where it feels like you are getting left behind. It's just, he's got to, he's got to accept that. You just have to accept it and do not be an irrational investor, which is one, this whole market is out of control. Why aren't we beating the S and P 500? (laughs) You're like, what did you just say? The question was, the answer was in your question. Yes, it was right there. Okay. What do we have coming up on, on, on deck for data or anything? Like what? It feels like, is it just me? And I was talking about this with you yesterday. But I felt like almost every single day we came out for a really long stretch there. We had economic data just coming out. And now all of a sudden it feels like you've kind of gone into a dark period. Yeah, we still have it. And we had plenty today. It's just it's either not that big of a of a print or like it's so close to expectations that it's just like, who cares? Um, but today we did have GDP, the second look at fourth quarter GDP, which went down from 3.3 to 3.2. But personal consumption and prices were revised higher. So to your undercounting inflation point, the data said, yep, by a little bit. Um, Tomorrow we'll get personal income, personal spending. We'll get the PCE data. So the the Fed's favorite inflation data. Um, Jobless claims, pending home sales. KC Fed and the the Chicago PMI. So pretty pretty good pretty good day today tomorrow that can have some um some real real juice to it that I can actually move markets. If something like personal so personal spending for instance is expected to come in at 0.2%. If that can comes in at, you know, 0.4 or higher or something like that. That that's the kind of area where you could see bond yields have to react stuff like that. And obviously if if, it, if uh 
jobless claims continue to be super low market will notice that and if they spike very much would notice that yeah we're we're we any news out that you thought i mean do you think oil was just kind of tracking yields today or what like uh, we got inventories today and oil inventories were higher than expected so really the market just reacted to that um and the market over anchors to cushing inventories and that was up so that may have been part of it but when i look at it um inventories for products continue to draw jet fuel gasoline and distillates think diesel are all under the 10-year average and all falling pretty pretty rapidly um so what you're gonna end up having is oil draws to feed new product uh, inventories in the future um we know china's oil inventory is relatively low and they're gonna have to import a lot of oil in the next year um you combine all that you look at time spreads suggesting that physical is very tight time spreads especially for brent have just roofed lately and crack spreads are very high so on on like a a physical if you had like a dashboard of physical indicators they're all telling you that market is is very tight price is like mostly unimpressed and it 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 clearly wants to see crude inventories in the u.s go down it's going to have to wait until spring whenever you know refinery maintenance kind of slows down and people hit the road again um, but today, before before we kind of spiked lower on the inventory data, we were putting in the breakout, the higher high, the breakout on front month crudes, which tells me, like, okay, we took a probing shot at it. Market just didn't appreciate, you know, the headline inventory data. But at, if if time spreads are going to keep suggesting that physical tight tight market um, and products keep drawing the way they are, I think I think you're absolutely looking at a especially like a Q2 move higher um, in, in oil. And that, that will have big macro ramifications. What's our old buddy Nat Gas doing? Uh, I've been following it as closely lately because the the winter impact of it is is, is kind of dead. It, it's bounced a little bit near front month, but um, weather is still, I mean, you, you had like a little cold shot from a cold front kind of come down in, into the West Midwest, but East of the Rockies is still... Uh, temperatures are above average, so that's going to be a problem. So I think at this point, anyone that wants to be involved in that gas, it has to be from a, a longer term perspective of um, more, more equity side or kind of 2025 future side because, yes, demand tied to things like AI, data centers, crypto mining, all that kind of stuff is just massive. So you're going you're gonna to need a lot more gas in the future. Um, but near term the winter was so warm that it did a lot of damage to inventories it makes it pretty difficult to have the price go up without a lot of production coming offline and production has come down a decent amount but until it's under 100 um billion cubic feet a day it just it it, it's pretty much a bear situation what's the price at right now on that gas apparently pull it up we're still under two bucks on front it's just crazy to watch i remember prior to 08 09 I believe did I think you got up to twelve thirteen I think you were looking at twelve thirteen dollar nat gas here in the US. So we're at a dollar eighty seven on front month. Wow. Um if you go out to the end of the year, we're we're at we're at about three fifty. If you go to the end of twenty twenty five, we're a little over four dollars. And those those are prices that make a lot more sense to me. Um to me I I think fair value is around five ish, you know, over the next two, three years. So I think I think you're cheap on the end of 25 and, and cheap, maybe cheap at the end of 2024. That one, that one's a little, 
who knows that that's that's very weather dependent that's the beauty of going out farther in the curve or picking producers um and just sitting on them is is you get you get all that growth over the, in the coming years because the next six months have been dictated to us by weather yeah no it's just fascinating to watch where nag gas is. i mean we've seen it there before but just to see it below two dollars you're just kind of i mean it's just the, cra- the crazy thing, the crazy thing is to watch it get under two and the producers is to stare you down and not cut back because that's what they did through the whole the whole winter. Now they're just now starting to cut back. I you know what's just surprising to me because you look at how much they unlevered over the last three or four years. And maybe I was wrongly looking at that, but that persistent production, their 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 willingness to just keep taking it lower and lower prices, I always thought was just a factor of you know, the, the shark has to keep swimming or it's going to die. Right. You need the cash flows to Yeah. But to see them keep producing like this, when, when they don't, when the balance sheets are cleaner than they've ever been right in the industry, it's, it's kind of, I, I just, is there a, is it because they're pulling more oil out of a certain area than they used to or what? So that's a big part of it is so much of it is people in the Permian that it doesn't matter to them. It's just like, this is like a free option. Like every bit of gas they sell is better than not selling it. It's better than burning it off, right? Yeah, because they're looking for the oil anyway. Right. But the the the, the more pure plays for gas um, in the, up in the Northeast and the Midwest and stuff, like the, those you would think like they would have been like, nope, not doing this and, and really closed up shop for a while. But And they're the ones that are finally kind of reacting. The rest are going to – they won't fall until oil production falls. And oil production is still at thirteen point three million barrels a day, and, and holding in really firm. So, Bitcoin's another one. Looking at Bitcoin, um, you're flirting, you're flirting with an. I mean, it's flirting with an all time high here, isn't yeah. it? Sixty, which we're just above, is like was a big level for me. So I, I expected this to be a possibly a multi week battle at sixty, and maybe it still will be, um, but. Because we got, I mean, all the way up to 63 and change. Now we're kind of gravitating back to the 60 line. But um, speaking of words, I don't want to divulge it, but we, we, we've, and that, I, and I'm pretty sure that was your trade. Uh, we really caught the pretty much all of that Bitcoin move. And not only that, but we we left Beto, the, the which used futures right when the, all the spot ETFs are opening up. We got out of it because we figured, hey, the spot ETFs are gonna. You'll probably get a big pullback, kind of a sell the news type deal. That happened. Then we started legging back in to one of the spot ETFs, and yeah, we've we've had a decent position sizing and 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 caught this more pretty much this whole move up. So that's and it, it's you can see the power of having it. It's bit, the day like today is a perfect example where almost our entire book is red, and then you know you have Bitcoin up big time. Really, it's very very helpful on a day. Yeah, like yeah. What do you? We, what, what do we make of it here on a technical basis? I mean, pretty much we just got that set up at that 64,000 level, the previous all-time high. Yeah, how, how binary – and the reason I bring this up, guys, is that um, I, I, I don't know how long because we weren't in it in great size or for a great period of time. But we, we did make a lot of money trading Bitcoin, and the reason we did was because it was just so easy to trade. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy to trade. Um, I, you know, I would assume it will not stay that way because you've got involvement in so many other players now and institutions and all that kind of stuff. Having said that it's behaved that way in this run up too. I mean, just, you, we just adhere to the technical and out, you know what I mean? Right. It was paired here to the rules and it's traded that way. 
Um, if you break to an all-time high, a new all-time high, wh- wh- what are your thoughts? Is it just an all bets are off scenario when you're looking at that chart? Yeah. You sit there and go, you got you got to be in it. Both. I mean, okay. all bets are off and you got to be in it. it yeah. To me, it's a very simple one. And it's there are only two markets where I take seriously crazy right tail um, projections for price. So the, the Kathy Wood price target, you know, for something like Bitcoin. It, for me, it's Bitcoin and uranium because just when I look at the supply and demand, I'm like, okay, yeah, that could that that could get a little crazy. Yep. Especially Bitcoin, if you have a fixed supply and the rate of that supply coming on is falling. And then you have a new way for people to invest through the spot ETFs, which allows a lot of institutional money, a lot of RIAs, et cetera, to, to, to go in that weren't going to before. And we've seen it in the last few weeks. Like there are days where you get more flows to crypto ETFs than you do to like SPY, that, which is all, which you, is all you need to know. So if you if you have a bunch of inflows into something that cannot increase its supply, um, you're going to get a squeeze. So that that's where like people with their you know nutty two three hundred thousand dollar per Bitcoin price targets is like that can happen. Well, and look, I think it will. But it, you do the math on on the fixed supply and the increasing flows. It's like well, I can do whatever it wants. Well, and it's starting to look more and more like a cistern for excess government spending. Right. Just like it should be. I mean, th- yeah. theoretically, it's like that's, yeah. Yeah, that should just be a, a collection of overflow of government spending. And if you look at government budgets, and you look at rates. Right. You're right back to the previous highs when the government was going all out toward the end of 2021. Right. Then you pull in interest rates and Bitcoin gets hit and then everybody's kind of sucking back in. You know, it inflation. loves excess liquidity. Oh, man. It's just a magnet for it. And it also kind of tells you sometimes like, hey, like watch your back some inflation might be coming it did a good job of that now it, it tends to get clubbed whenever inflation is about to peak and go down it's right. not an inflation hedge not at all no but but it it can it can still be useful as um as a measure to try to figure out what inflation might do looking forward and i would argue it's ripping right now tells you inflation might make at least a partial comeback yeah i think the other thing it tells you is there's still just tons of money being pumped into the system you know what I mean? Like it's just excess liquidity everywhere, like you were saying. All right, pal. Well, that's that's about all we got today. You got anything else? That's it. All right, kiddos. Well, we will be back as always tomorrow. We're going to keep documenting this. Hope you take the journey with us. As always, please subscribe. It's all free, no paywall. So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to, not going to rake you over the coals here. But more, more subscribers we get, better guests, all that kind of stuff. You guys know the deal. So anyway, have a great night, and we will see you again tomorrow. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.